Welcome to Kashmir in Yiddish with your host, Shloyma Devoila, and part three in this series. How, how many gra uh, grave sites are there in that cemetery? There's, okay, at, in doing research, there's close to like almost 300,000. 300,000 graves. Yeah, I mean, it's only what's called 44 hectares, which is like square acres. And it, I thought all the, the graves were, were desecrated, destroyed, and, and a great many of them were. But this one is preserved enough to the point where before I left to go to Israel, I went online to the site. I could go to that grave, and I was able to find out before I went where my grandfather was buried and what section. I found it, and I went. And not only did I go when I went to the gate uh, and the people could help you, I knew exactly where to go. And it, the, I spent a Sunday morning uh, going there and then to Redegast, which was the, the deportation center. So it, it just hit, these places are there to visit. And um, the Jewish cemetery was just so amazing. Uh, you see, my dad would mention this one um, industrialist, Poznanski, and that family was like one of the um, wealthiest family and lived like a, a, a king, basically, because he owned the, um, the mills. And at one time, it was a big um, center for textiles manufacture. And Everything that, revolved he, around that. And he's got a mausoleum that's the biggest mausoleum in, in, Europe, in, in Europe. Europe. Yeah, it's a two-story mausoleum and his family plot. But I was able to find out that even though the, the section was A10, I found that section, how do you find out the exact grave site? And each of the gravestones are made out of sandstone, and they're all different. So what I did was started out in the section in the back, and I walked from left to right, and I had a picture of uh, an enlargement of what the Matsaiva looked like, and it had a crown at the top of it in a certain way. Not all the gravestones are the same. They have different symbols and different things on them. And this one had a, uh, a symbol of a Torah, because he read from the Torah. And he was in the like the fifth row in the center. And when I came face to face with it, because I was trying to compare all these mitzvahs, and in this location, they're all together, front to back, side to side, so it's it's crowded. And I found it, and then I'm standing right in front of it, and it's just like it hit. It's it was um, a smack in the face to just say, "Wow, I just met." up with history like one thing about growing up was no grandparents everybody that i knew in grade school had grandparents and they would go visit and that was always the thing that i didn't have was a grandparent any now you talk about visiting grave sites there's another person that took you years to find her grave site well What's what's amazing is is what you can find on the internet and just by little pieces of information, and it, it, and I'm not saying that I'm a puzzle master and I'm not saying I'm a, a historian, but I did spend a lot of time on the computer and this site Jewish Gen was wonderful. 
I was so curious that um, our mom and Sal went to Paris to try to find an, uh, an aunt where she was buried or even just to go to Paris to meet some people. And all that we knew about our mom's favorite sister, Rachel, was that she died in Paris. But we had a, a book of photos and and I was able to go through all the photos and letters and things and I found some bits of information about Tante Rachel and letters that she had written to our mom. I found out where she lived. She, originally she came to Lyon. She wanted to be a seamstress, I guess, to get out of a small town like Skarzysko and go to Paris. Who wouldn't? And the life of the, of the big city to, to go to Paris. And that's the center of fashion. You, can, you put your ability to sew and go to, to, uh, to Paris or Lyon. Lyon is a big center for silk. In fashion. So I was always intrigued to say, hmm, she died in Paris. So I talked to um, Sal, and he only information he had was she died five days after he was born in 1947, and we have the same birthday. So after July 10th, 1947, she died five days later, and that was from the information for the letters because I had it translated. And so tell us about the cemetery and how you found her and oh yeah well so basically i knew that and i wrote and i did google translation uh from english to french and i wrote to the cemeteries in paris the, the ones that would have a jewish section and and i didn't get any good results saying we don't have any listing and finally what i did i was in paris because my uh, daughter and her family live in luxembourg so I went over. I, I always like to explore, and uh, I was just so happened to be at the Picasso Museum, and then near the Picasso Museum, there's the archives of Paris. And I said, oh, uh, let me check this out, because they had good result in, in Poland with archives. And they said that they only have at that archive newspapers and things like that. They said you need to go to the uh, other place uh, that has other records. And I went over there. I took a, 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 a tram to go over because it was towards the afternoon. And I found out that they don't have the records. It's the individual um, sections. The arrondissements. Uh, um, in other words, Paris is divided up into several districts, like 24 districts. So they said all the archive records from this time frame or in the uh, the district offices, uh, archive offices. And that's where you would go basically to get your birth or marriage uh, or death documents. They would keep them there. So I, went, I, I have a whole listing from that place of all the, the, the district offices. So I figured that if she lived in this area and I went to the area where she lived on one trip to Paris, because I had her address and I walked around the neighborhood and it was just like, wow, this is very interesting. And it was Gambetta. And at one time, that was a big Jewish area in Paris. And I just walked around. I saw the address and I just said, wow, this is interesting. But that was a key thing because if she lived in Gambetta, I wrote and figured out from the map that I was given in all these district archive offices 
let me uh, write to the ones all around the Gambetta district. And I wrote a letter, and I had it translated from Google English to Paris, and I wrote to them. And I got two letters back saying, oh, we found records of your uh, aunt, and she's buried. It wasn't that she was buried. Uh, there's five main cemeteries in Paris. She was buried just outside of Paris. And because she was uh, not well off, I think the Jewish uh, family or the Jewish um, council had to provide for her grave because she couldn't afford it and nobody could and I don't think she was with her husband at the time I think they were divorced so yeah and there's other family members that you were able to walk in their footsteps because you even went back to the town of Skarzysk which is not far from Warsaw when I went to I was lucky enough when I went to Skarzysk and to our parents house the first time I went I befriended I just happened to be walking in the back, and the lady drives up in a car. And I, I looked suspicious, because who's this guy walking in, in the back of this apartment building? And, and I say, look, I, I'm not a robber. I'm, I'm not from the KGB. And she said, oh, you speak English. I said, yeah. And I said, oh, my grandfather built this place. And it was so neat that she understood. She said, oh, we always thought someone from the Aport family would come. Would you like to come upstairs to see? And I say, yeah. And it, it really at that time, that was the first time that the sun came out. I was in her apartment. We were having tea and talking. And it was so nice that she was, she spoke English and then she brought down one of her friends. But I was in our mom's house. And it was just like uh, off the map experience. You know, seeing my grandfather's grave and being there, being on the spot where my dad took that picture and just getting that whole sense of, that, that was like ground zero for me in terms of. Um, what happened to your uh, grandparents and your mom's family? Okay, on, on Joe's side, his father died in 1924. So I was able to locate his grave and I knew his mom and I knew where she came from, and I knew his brothers and sisters, but they ended up going to Treblinka. And my dad went to Dachau and Auschwitz, and he lost a wife and child. You know, they went one way, and he went the other way. That's all I know. But I did go to uh, Auschwitz with you, and uh, we were there. We were there. And, and uh, it was just a real... That is ground zero, basically, where you have the horrible, I mean, you, you can't not break down and cry when you see that there's this lake and it's full of ashes of people and you see all these remembrances and how also, horrible, how hard, I mean, that was hell, you know, hell you think is underneath the ground. Well, this was above ground and it was so big. That, seeing Auschwitz and being in Birkenau, and understanding, you know, you, can, you can't fathom it until you're there. And the only time I could fathom was the first time we went to Israel and we went to Yad Vashem to see that the Germans made soap out of people. And you see that this is uh, a, a bar of soap, but it was made out of human, human fat. Or, and then you see a lampshade uh, that was made out of skin. So that kind of horrible um, what you see 
but um, in, in terms of parents, I know uh, her mom, uh, she worked in an ammunition factory, and I know that one day that uh, they lived in a ghetto in, in Chikarshisko, that they were going to take away uh, her mom and, 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 and everybody, and she didn't want to go. And I found out from a lady that we visited in Israel that her demise was she didn't want to go on the on the on the truck, and they shot her right in front. And here we're taking here I'm taking pictures with the the people that live there, probably at the spot where they killed her. So then there's also uh, the little town of Ashvenshin, and that's where my dad, Barak Awen, came from. That little town. It's hard to understand to see these beautiful towns. And now Shenzhen's a cute little town. It's really called the City of Peace. And, you know, that's what they call it. And there's even a Christmas tree now in the center of town. But there was a big Jewish presence in Auschwitz. And there's even we went to the Jewish um, museum there. And... Uh, it, it wasn't like there were a few people in that town. It was a, a couple of thousand people lived in that town. And it had a, a big Jewish presence. And then it, it's all, you know, there's there's a, a synagogue there that shows the history, but it's all kind of remembrances. There was a beautiful synagogue there. That's burnt to the ground. They, they're going to make a museum there, but it's all... The church is there, you know, that didn't get burned, but the synagogue obviously did get burned. And it wasn't like that was the only synagogue in town. There were many synagogues. So it was kind of like holy ground uh, to go to Auschwitz and to go to Skarzysko. Like when I was in Skarzysko, the lady took us to this town square, and there's a monument, and 55 people were shot there in that uh little square. And now there's a, a, a monument in, in Hebrew and in, in English. So I went with Sal uh, a year later, and we happened to go back to Shkarzysko, and we went over to Shedlovitz. And in Shedlovitz, there's a cemetery, 5,000 graves, very well maintained. And I was able to do um, some research, and our grandmother found out her grave, but I think a lot of the gravestones are mixed around. But it's a very well-maintained cemetery. So, in of all places, Shidlovitz. And I thought Shidlovitz was like a, a, a town like in Fiddler on the Roof, but it's, it's a good-sized town. Do not forget, the best way to support Kishmir Yiddish is to rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 